Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon text is uh, recorded for us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus approached and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and gather disciples from all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. And we pray, these are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In our midweek Advent services, we're considering how Christ is coming with a word, with a word. And last week, Pastor Peterson, he spoke about how that word that comes from Christ, it's a word for our hearts, for us to take and consider and take to heart. We do that again tonight, but we also broaden that out, not just for our hearts, but we consider how this word from our coming Christ is a word that's intended for the whole world. Christ is coming with a word for the world. Let me have a word with you. If you recall from last week's sermon, Pastor Peterson, again, he pointed out how those can be really frightening, even daunting things to hear, a phrase that you might not want to hear coming from some authority figure, a parent, a teacher, a boss, maybe your spouse. I need to have a word with you. You might think, oh man, What's happening? What did I do now? Gulp. It's easy to associate a a negative tone with that statement. Apparently, there is something that that needs to be addressed, and uh, it might not be very pleasant or easy for you to deal with. No one likes to hear that they're not meeting expectations or that they're disappointing another person. So oftentimes when we we hear that phrase, I need to have a word with you, we might automatically hear a, a rather negative kind of tone. And when we hear that, we might even start to then try and defend ourselves, to justify our, our actions, what we have done. We might try and be coming up with excuses. Sometimes when someone says, I need to have a word with you, and they start saying things that are rather serious and maybe critical of you. You might try and push back, maybe insult them, say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. When it comes to the world, I think this is what often happens. When Jesus comes with a word for the world, the world loves to kick back, push back, try to excuse itself, justify itself, its own sinful actions. Now, God's word, it does indeed, in fact, speak to the world. And it points out that the world has serious problems. And that should be obvious to all of us, right? This world is falling to pieces. We see it every time we, wor- we turn on the news or read, read the newspaper. We see it even in ourselves reflected as, as we contribute to the problems here in this world. This world around us is is on an obvious collision course with destruction. Things here are broken. They are failing. They are in trouble. And again, we contribute to that with our own 
bad, false, wrong decisions and choices with our own sins and selfishness. And so this is something that affects us personally, too, because we are part of this broken world. When, when God comes and he says to those in the world, I need to have a word with you. And we might also feel that might, that might be an unwelcomed thing. Think of a rebellious teenager copying an attitude with a parent or a teacher or some other sort of authority figure. When they're getting called out and called to the carpet for a bad decision, for being dangerous, unsafe, or selfish, how easy it is for that person to push back, to try and justify themselves, to try and excuse themselves and their actions. That was how it was for me anyways when I was a rebellious teenager carrying an attitude. I always wanted to push back. I wanted to fight the man, not listen to the words of this authority figure and the advice and counsel that they were trying to share with me. But now in retrospect, as I find myself to be one of those authority figures, I can see and I can look back and I can say how foolish that was. The intentions, the intentions of my parents, of my teachers, of these others, the intentions there were loving, they were good. They weren't trying to, to uh, cut me down for the fun of it. They weren't out to get me. They had genuine concern for my future, for my welfare. And they were having this, what for them was a very difficult conversation with me not for the fun of it, but because they cared about me. Same thing goes for God when it comes to this, this serious, difficult conversation that he has to have with the world, with a broken, sinful world. When he has to approach the world with the harshness of his law. And when he calls even you and I out as well for the bad decisions and sins that we have made. It's not because he's having fun. It's a difficult, harsh, awkward conversation. But he does it anyways because he loves us. He has concern, genuine concern for you and me. And so he puts up sometimes with attitudes that he doesn't deserve so that he can help the people of this world. Our Lord Jesus, he has a word for the world. And again, at times... When he comes and he points out how broken this world is, how failing we are as, as people of this world, how we fall into the temptations that the world lays before us, there are times when he might lay this word out before us and it might pierce our hearts. It hurts. It might be, it might be painful. It might be unwelcomed. When God's law points out that that you and I have fallen short of God's expectations and we have failed. When he points out that you and I, along with all the rest of the world, when we are making these bad decisions and continuing in sins, we are on our own collision course with death and destruction. That's a serious thing. It's a time for us as people and for us to encourage the world around us to not push back to not fight back and try and come up with excuses or to try and justify ourselves, 
but to simply say, amen, Lord, you are right. God wants us to let go of this destructive mentality, and he urges the entire world around us to know that he approaches us, and sometimes with this harsh, brutal reality of of his law, he does it out of genuine love and concern for us. He sees the world around us, and and St. Paul talks about the kind of mentality that we find here that God sees. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, Their God is their appetite, their bellies, their glory is in their shame. They're only thinking about earthly things. How easy it is for us to fall into this trap, to become so self-focused, self-centered, to be so concerned about earthly things. But Paul, in that same verse, he points out how this isn't good, how dangerous this kind of attitude and mentality is. He says it ends in destruction. God does not want this. God does not want this for the world. He doesn't want to see the people of the world meet their destruction. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John said those words to Nicodemus. God has also said, I desire all people to be saved, to come to a knowledge of the truth. He says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from their way and live. And so for this reason, God is willing to have those difficult conversations with those of this world. Not for fun, Not to make people miserable or angry. Instead, he comes to you and me, to the people of this world, and he says, I need to have a word with you because he knows how serious and dire this is for us. He plainly addresses these issues that are before us, and he calls upon the inhabitants of the world, including you and me, to not fall to the lies that this world puts before us. He calls us to to be led not by our own bellies, not by our own appetites, our own selfish desires, but to see instead the wisdom that he gives to us in his word. He calls to the people of this world, and he says, we heard it a few uh, Sunday before last, in Romans 13, he says, it is high time to wake up. The day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness. Make no provision for the flesh, but instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine a doctor who gets some medical tests back for a patient of his and looks at those tests and realizes this patient has a a very serious illness that's threatening their life. It needs to be addressed. That's what God sees when he looks into the hearts of the people of this world. He sees the trouble that the people in this world are in, and he desires to address it. Now, just imagine, though, if you were that patient of that doctor, if you were that sick person, but then your doctor got those test results back, and then he failed to call you or bother to tell you anything about them and about your problem, and maybe later on, once those that illness was really presenting itself. And he came to you and he said, well, I I didn't want to tell you something that'd be hard for you to hear. It would have been too difficult for you and and too harsh. And sure, if 
if we had addressed it earlier, you, you could have recovered and been fine, but now it's just too late. Can you imagine being that patient? How would you feel? How infuriating that would be. That doctor would be fired. The world has a problem with sin. And that's why God addresses this problem by giving his law. And yes, it can be harsh. It can be difficult to hear. People might push back against it. They might be in denial over it. But God gives his law and he explains this dire situation that that the world is facing so that we might do what Paul said in Romans 13. Wake up so that we could also then have the cure for the disease of sin. So that God might share with us the solution of that coming destruction that every single one of us in this world should face. God gives us a glorious offer to now put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the message that God has for the world, including you and me. We who are are living here in this world He wants us to see the dire circumstances, to see what's at stake here, to see the trouble that we have created for ourselves because of our sins. But also he invites us to have the solution. He invites us to have the answer to that problem. He invites us to turn in repentance and to see that Christ is coming with healing in his wings Christ comes to the world with this glorious message that he has won forgiveness of our sins. We get to hear that message that that the shepherds heard from the mouth of the angels, this word from God, I need to have a word with you. And this word is glorious. To behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. This is a message intended for the whole world. Today, in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. The message about our Savior and about the forgiveness of sins, that we have salvation from destruction, this is a message that God wants all people to have. This is, in fact, a message for the world. After all, He came to be the Savior of the nations. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God chose to leave his throne behind. God the Son determined that he was going to humble himself, enter into this world for the people of this world. He humbled himself where he even takes on our own human flesh and blood. He becomes one of us. He becomes our fellow man. And he lives a perfect life for every single person in the world. Never once did he, did he rebel against the authorities. Never once did he let his own belly or appetite direct him or lead him into sin. He earned perfect righteousness, a righteousness that all people are invited to put upon themselves, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Beyond that, our Lord Jesus, he willingly, he, he chooses to go to the cross, and there he suffers and he dies. As John writes in 1 John 2, 
to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Jesus has come and he has paid the price for all people. What a comfort that is. And what a comfort that is for you and me. Because it means that there's, there's no time when we can ever doubt or question and say, are my sins really forgiven? He has forgiven the sins of the entire world. Every single one of your sins has been paid for by our Savior. And on top of that, glory be to God, he has given the world a glorious proclamation with the open tomb, the empty tomb, and with the word that comes echoing out of the tomb. He is not here. He is risen. And now everyone who turns and trusts in this in this Savior who is victorious over sin and death, everyone who by faith puts on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will no longer be on a collision course with death and destruction, but we have a promise from God Almighty that just as Jesus is risen from the dead, we too are going to rise from our own graves to have glorified bodies rejoicing at His side in heaven. Dear friends, this is... This is a message that God wants the world to have. He wants all people to know the salvation that is freely offered to them in Christ Jesus. And this is what we find in the words of our text for tonight. The words that we know as the Great Commission. It is a great word that Jesus has given to the world. It explains that God has this sincere, heartfelt desire for all people, for all the nations to be his disciples, that all the nations can be washed clean in the waters of baptism, that people from all the nations can have the name of the triune God covering them and their hearts. God desires people of all nations, including you and me, to have and to know and to be taught what Jesus wants us to know, and that is that our sins are forgiven by his work. The Great Commission is a word to us and to the world that assures us that we now stand in complete and total peace with God because of Jesus. After all, what does he say at the end of, of the Great Commission? What, what a comfort that is to us. I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. What a wonderful message this is that Jesus has for us, that he wants the whole world to have. The words of our text, the Great Commission, it gives the plan that God has and, and the intentions, and it, it shows the love and desire that God has for the entire world. And really, he is telling the world here, I need to have a word with you. I want you to know this, only it's not negative in any way. When he comes in the words of our text, he says, I have a, a word that I need to share with you. It is filled with with joy. It is glorious. Jesus is pointing out that his intentions for the world are good. He desires that the world have his love and be saved, and he has now made that possible for all nations. All the people of the world can be saved. He desires that all the people of the world be baptized, that they be taught, that they be made disciples so that they might also be happy and joyful to leave that broken, sinful, collision course with destruction world behind 
and to instead have the glories of heaven with him. And yes, as members of his church, that's our desire too. We love the Great Commission. And we pray that, that Jesus, to whom all power and authority belongs, he proclaims that in the first verse of our text, we pray and we trust that he's going to continue to be carrying out this work of the Great Commission. Even through seemingly powerless and weak things, things like an old book, things like a simple message of, of sin and grace, a message that is even shared through the lips of weak, sinful people like, like you and me. He continues to come and to change the hearts of people in this world through things as simple as, as water when it's joined with his word in baptism or with bread and wine as, uh, it's, as Jesus' own precious body and blood are also present with them and shared with people here in this world for, for the forgiveness of their sins. We need that. And we rejoice that God is at work in these things. And we are happy to share these things as well because we know that here in his word and in his sacraments, in the means of grace, God is waking us up. He is strengthening our hearts. He is here helping us and putting upon us through these things and in these places Christ Jesus and the salvation that comes with him. We love and we support this. And we pray that God might continue to carry out this work among us here in our world. And that it might continue to grow and spread all around us to the people who need it. Meanwhile, we stand in amazement when God also is at work through us. Sometimes when we don't even recognize it or even when we're not even thinking about it. Because we are Christians and we have put on Christ we have opportunities and we are sharing that message of Christ with the people around us, with our own children, with our neighbors. Even as we gather here tonight, here in this place, we are encouraging one another as we are singing hymns and rejoicing, praising God our Savior. We are rejoicing in the Great Commission as we do these things. Here in the Great Commission, our Lord comes with a glorious word. He says, I want to have a word with you, and I have this word that's meant for the whole world. And that's a wonderful word that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. All glory be to him. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.